Hi, I'm Jenny. And I'm Becky. And we are Near Reverends. Near Christmas edition. Um, because this is the weird year that happens every, I don't know, six or seven years, depending on leap years, where the last Sunday of Advent falls on Christmas Eve. So we, Mary's not even pregnant yet. <laughs> Think of the stories. We're getting all ready for the baby uh, and she's not even pregnant. But spoiler alert, she gets pregnant today. So. <laughs> We'll hear about Mary and and um, and w- Becky's with us because Tim, the Reverend Timothy Watt, is on his way back from North Carolina. They had a family emergency, and uh, he and his lovely wife Tanya are on their way back from North Carolina. They are literally flying today, so he is being so wonderful and so many things to so many people. But this was something where the wonderful Reverend Becky Zartman could step in and yeah i could help yay and does it happen she's sort of a ringer for one of our readings today (laughs) and what we're gonna do instead of reading a hebrew bible lesson which for advent four would be from the prophet samuel totally great guy don't mean to diss him (laughs) but one of our reading offerings is the song of mary or the magnificat and We'll talk about where it came from and all of that, but it is so fabulous and it's so just like overturns any ideas of Mary as meek and mild. And Becky has just taught a class on this. So it's going to, again, Becky is brilliant. So no pressure, Becky. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. Um, but anyway, why don't we read um, the Song of Mary, which is Luke 1, 46 through 55 and Lovely Becky's Hartman will read it. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, I love this so much. I know me too. Let's tell people where it comes because that is important. And it's the little prequel we don't get in the story today. What happens is Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, who is well past the age of childbirth, has not been able to get pregnant. And she gets pregnant. The angel tells Zachariah they're going to have a child. And their child will be the one who is the voice calling in the wilderness, the one who is proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. And so today's story that we'll hear in a minute picks up and the angel tells Mary she's going to get pregnant and tells her if she wants confirmation of this, she can go see her cousin Elizabeth who's pregnant. So Mary goes to Elizabeth. 
And when Mary encounters Elizabeth, when they see each other, first of all, Elizabeth, who's three months further along, so she's like six months when six months pregnant, Elizabeth's baby, John the Baptist, like jumps in her womb and she proclaims this thing. Who am I that the mother of my Lord has come to see me? Blessed is the fruit of your womb, which sounds awfully familiar to Roman Catholics as um, the Hail Mary. A part of the Ave Maria. Hail Mary. Yeah. So Elizabeth is pregnant with John. And Elizabeth, when the baby jumps in her womb, Elizabeth immediately Mm -hmm. recognizes that Mary is carrying the Messiah. And, And Elizabeth says this great thing. And then Mary responds with this. And she's pregnant. She hasn't yet had the baby. And she speaks this these beautiful, prophetic words as if it's already happened. And it hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. And it is such a faithful, you know, from this day, all generations will call me blessed. But yet at this point in her life, anybody who knows Mary is worried about her because she's pregnant. And they're not really sure what the deal is with Joseph and like what's happening. And now she's gone off to see Elizabeth. So the idea that all generations are going to call her blessed at this point is completely (laughs) unrealistic unless you have the faith of Mary. Anyway, that's where this comes when she and Elizabeth encounter each other. And it's amazing. And then that's, there's the background. What would you like, tell us what um, you are most interested about this, Becky? Oh my goodness. Um, it's interesting to me that only the first three verses are actually about Mary. She Ooh. actually pivots pretty quickly to what's going on in Israel. So for me, that means that she's actually interpreting the events happening within her. Right. She's seeing like the she's like, because big this is hmm? she's yeah, seen she the big picture. Them. And where she fits into it. Yeah. Um, which is pretty amazing. Uh, you were talking about the verbs, and that was totally right. So the thing about Greek, it's an inflected language, which means that the uh, the verb has both the subject and the actual verb within it. And so it says, he has mercy on those. He has shown. But it's more like mercy, shown, oh. Cast like the first line at every one is like, This is Our. the thing that God is going to do, yeah, that God has already done because all of those are in past tense, mm. yeah, they've already happened, except they haven't, so it's amazing, <laughs> right? I was thinking, I was thinking about this today about this is actually what Advent feels like is the Magnificat, well. But also you, when we talked about um, apocalyptic literature before, you told us that one of the things apocalyptic literature does is play with time and space. So this is one Mm -hmm. of those places where she is three months pregnant. She is still just coming to terms with this thing that happened to her and telling Joseph the news. And now here she is, she hears Elizabeth recognize, first of all, Elizabeth is pregnant, so the thing the angel told her came true. But Elizabeth recognizes, before Mary even gets to tell her what's happening, Elizabeth knows what's happening, and out (laughs) she comes with this thing that hasn't happened yet, and yet she's saying it as if it's already happened. And it's earth-shattering. It's 
kingdom upside down turning. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, not just from their <laughs> the second floor of their homes, from their thrones. So it implies power, real power, not just wealth. And lifted up the lowly. He has filled the, filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. One of the things I like about this, Becky, is that he doesn't kill the rich. He just sends them away this time. This time, <laughs> the food is not for you. No. I didn't know the Greek had that function. That's like Hebrew, too. Like in Hebrew, when we have to fill it with all these English words, and God said, let there be light. And there was light when really the Hebrew is just like light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you know who said it and you know what happened and then light happened. But we need all those words to say. Mm -hmm. And God said, let there be. And then there was light, you know. Um, but if you spoke those languages, it's so much. The, the way they're spoken says so much. Um mm. It's so, it's so powerful for her as a woman too, a young woman to be caring about these sorts of things. Cause we don't often think of or hear about faithful women. And Th there is one that she is sounding a whole lot like. Who? Hannah. Oh, right. Samuel's mom. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's another story of a woman who couldn't have a child and was heartbroken and then had a child late in life. And she promised God if he blessed her with a child, she would um, give him to God as a servant, that he would serve God. And then he becomes this great prophet. And what does she say? Like Hannah is like... He gives children to the childless. Mm. He it's, it's oh. inversions also. Like it's 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 longer, but it's inversions. Like it's just like this one. Oh. And and so so like if we think if we remember that the Bible is a musical because it is because this is a song. Um, this is kind of like a reprise mm -hmm. of of what of Hannah's already said yeah oh um, and which Hannah's to me first samuel 2 i just googled yeah that. yeah and all these characters in luke's gospel burst into song so um elizabeth bursts into song when she sees mary then mary bursts into song then after jesus is born they go to the temple and then uh simeon bursts into song and Anna bursts into song. I, I heard somebody preach this once, Mike Angel, our friend, who said it's like the Disney gospel. It's like all the characters <laughs> burst into um burst into song. Well you know what that what's interesting about that is that the the Greek changes throughout Luke's writing of Luke and Acts. Like it starts out sounding like once upon a time. Mm -hmm. The language starts out sounding exactly like the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Hebrew. And then the closer and closer Luke brings the story to Rome, the more it starts to sound like a Greek history. Oh, interesting. Like, and so you can track it over this like huge course of things. 
but it really starts with the is like Luke is trying to make this sound biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my head, that's because he realizes the proportions of what's going on. He like he right. wants it to sound right. as impactful as it was. Right. Yeah. So and it's like God is on the move, man. Oh my God, right. God like, is on the move. Like uh-huh. Aslan. Um yeah. it's turning things upside down. So the old woman is having a baby. And the young woman is having a baby, the old woman who couldn't have children anymore. And the young one who had not yet been with her husband. It's, and nothing is impossible with God, except the rich are going to walk away hungry. Mm. Not always, but this time. Um, but he's going to cast down the mighty from their thrones because the mighty have not been taking care of the hungry. The fact that there are hungry and vulnerable people tells you the mighty haven't been taken care of them. So, mm. wow. And she's right. Because now from this day, all generations are blessed. That's true. It's a real thing. Mm. Uh, something I think about this a lot is that if you read evening prayer every day, mm. you would read the Magnificat once every, a day. Yep. Oh, God, that's really powerful. Uh, in the evening. Mm-hmm. And so I think even those of us who don't do it every day, uh, like it's easy to let it just kind of like pass by. Mm. Like you, you, like the, unless you're paying attention. Right. Right. Like it's gonna like, like you just like, I like, I keep trying to figure out a way to make the Magnificat pop. Right. And one thing I've been doing is listening to a lot of versions of it. Oh, um, especially, uh, contemporary ones mm-hmm. it's been really interesting mm-hmm. to hear how people so you know reinterpret so, it through music so what's so interesting becky is it had never occurred to me that the people who created evening prayer were men i don't mean to make this all about gender but they wanted us reading these words every single night or hearing them every single night they wanted us to hear these words these that contain that power that that conflating of time that um reversing things be reminded of this context that's just really a big deal so what's interesting to me about Magnificat is like as soon as we were singing in services, we were singing the Magnificat. And so you can actually trace the history of Western music, music. by seeing the different versions of the Magnificat over the over the centuries. Wow. And that is so really that, that is just because like every mm-hmm. every composer who who wanted mm-hmm. to be taken seriously. Oh yeah, like they right. all make their own versions. Like right. so like Thomas Talley, like everybody, the big names, everyone's got one. Yeah. So let's read the gospel and and see then let's 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 talk more about Mary and let's read the gospel. And it's gonna be so um so familiar. And again, you know, like Becky was just saying, sometimes you hear something so much that you stop hearing it. So I encourage you to try to hear this with ears that haven't heard it before. And this is Luke 1, 26 through 38. 
So just chronologically, this happens before the Magnificat because she doesn't know she's pregnant yet. She's not pregnant yet because she hasn't said yes. So here we go. In the sixth month, by the way, that's the sixth month for Elizabeth, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to her to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Wow. Hineni. Yeah, here am I. Here I am. Oh. So that's another sign. She was a faithful Jewish woman. She knew that phrase. She knew that answer. Here am I. Okay. Um, nothing to talk about here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Here. Um, okay. One thing I just feel compelled to say right now is that the Roman Catholics have this um, created this idea, the um, immaculate conception. The doctrine of immaculate conception mm. is not Mary conceiving Jesus, the immaculate meaning without sex. The Immaculate Conception is their idea that in order to be able to carry the Son of God, Mary herself had to be born without sin because they couldn't imagine a scenario in which somebody who had been born in sin or had committed sins in their life could somehow carry the Son of God. So the Catholic Church, in order to get around this, created the doctrine um, or, or imagined that Mary must herself have been born without sin. That is the doctrine of immaculate conception, and people always misstate it. And I hereby make no opinion as to whether that's true or not. I just felt the need to um, correct that. <laughs> um, clear it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, clear it up a wee bit. So I really love this so very much. Um, she said yes. Before anything else could happen, everything hinged on whether she said yes. And as far as we know, this is why I sometimes think of the doctrine of Immaculate Conception. Mary could have been the 30th, the 40th, the 600th person 
that the spirit came to. God's plan could not proceed without human acceptance. And and it's not just acceptance. I love talking about Mary as a badass because she is a badass because in her day, dying in childbirth was common. Another issue is that because she was engaged to Joseph, if she got pregnant and Joseph knew they hadn't slept together, then she would be guilt, presumably guilty of adultery and she would be stoned. Like saying yes to this, there was a possibility she could be killed. So part of a big picture in this story is that God's plans need our wholehearted or at least our willingness to say yes, even though we don't know for sure what's going to happen and it might put us at risk. God's plans need us. And and this is Mm. huge. Like when she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Those are really some of the most powerful words in the whole Bible. Here I am. I will do it. I will go. And she didn't know what was going to happen. And I also love that God gave her this little thing about, just so you know, it's true. Go see your cousin Elizabeth. You know, like. Yeah. So not that's just how, Yeah. That's how you'll know it's not just a dream, a bad dream. <laughs> um, that, that's just what hits me when I read this. Hey, Jenny, can I show you something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Becky has just shared with me a beautiful drawing. And it's in a garden. And there are two women facing each other. One woman is um, wearing a blue headscarf. And she's very, very pregnant. And she is facing a woman who you have to assume from the context that it's Eve. And the other thing is there's a snake and the snake has coiled itself around Eve's leg. In one case, it's gotten all the way up to her knee and then it has also grabbed her around the ankle so she can't move. And the pregnant woman has the um, snake under her foot, its head. And the pregnant woman has her hand just tenderly on Eve's cheek. And Eve looks ashamed, like she has a blush on her Mm. cheeks. And the pregnant woman, the look on her face, just tender concern and compassion. So I don't know what this picture is called, but Mary is usually depicted Mm -hmm. with the color blue. I mean, I think this is meant to be Mary as the pregnant woman embracing Eve and sort of freeing Mm -hmm. Eve and telling Eve, you don't need to be ashamed. Here's what's coming. Like, my son, this baby Mm -hmm. is going to set all this right. Yeah, it's actually called Mary Souls Eve. Oh, and it's Mary with her foot on the serpent's head. It's not Jesus with the foot. Oh, Oh. It's beautiful. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Oh, my gosh. And so for everyone else, it's uh, Sister Grace Remington's work. 
So what I'll do, Becky, is I will put the, uh, um, I will link this in the show notes so people can see it. It's, it's really profound, yeah. profoundly beautiful. And it sets everything in motion, right? Again, Aslan is on the move. Mm-hmm. What I really love about this is so often you'll see like the idea of Jesus and Adam, like mm-hmm. as the two like death, like exactly about this, right? Like death right. came the two archetypes, one man right? and is saved by one man. But here, yeah, here is something different, right? It's 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 one what I love is. about her is that Mary is like. Yeah, she's looking into Eve's eyes. Yep. And Eve can't, Eve can't her. meet her gaze, but she's looking at Eve. So yeah. you know what? It's one woman's yes undoing the pain of another woman's yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but let me make sure I say this. When you read the Hebrew Bible and you read that story of Adam and Eve, um, mm-hmm. Eve's... Adam was standing right there with her. It's not like Adam didn't experience the whole conversation too. It (laughs) says she gave him the fruit and her husband was with her. Like he's standing there the whole time. So I don't, I don't in any way mean to scapegoat Eve, but Eve said yes and, and took a bite. And, and now here's Mary and Mary's yes allows her to just deeply, deeply console Eve, who's still bound up with shame, but mm. because Mary has her, her foot on the serpent's head, is not anymore going to be held back by the serpent. That's so beautiful. Thank you for showing me that. I've never seen it. Oh, good. I like, I, do, I, lo- I really love it too. Oh, it's well, and I yeah, love it. So it's funny for me. It's to me, there's this wisdom theme throughout it like because when eve takes the fruit and eats it it's because she sees that it's first of all good to eat but second of all good for wisdom she's looking for something and and when we have mary come around like she is spewing faithful wisdom out of her whole entire being right like that is the magnificat that's that's (laughs) happening like there's it's it's not as much as like, so we can see it as like, oh, Eve was like, Eve screwed it up and Mary helped fix it, right? It could also be that this is just how it got set in motion mm-hmm. and this is how it got resolved. Well, and oh, Ginny, do you, go ahead. Oh, do you know the Adam Lay bound in? <laughs> The Adam Lee what? Adam Leahy Bounden. No. Oh God, I don't know how, but I, I've listened, I've heard this a million times because it's always at every Advent lessons and carols I go to. Um, but the the purpose of that song is to talk about, well, Mary wouldn't be the Queen of Heaven if Eve hadn't taken a bite, right? Like all of this, no matter what the pain it's been, is worth it because God is bringing this to completion in this way. I love the idea, Becky, that the connection that what Eve was seeking 
was wisdom. And then Mary has fulfilled it. Like, that's beautiful. And I am not one to blame Eve. I mean, I also really think that the story of Adam and Eve is a myth that is explaining human nature. And some of that human nature is the desire to blame women for things. Um, but the text also wisely tells us <laughs> that her husband was with her. So um, you can't see my face, but I just made a face like, yeah, come on, give me a break. Um, so so let's go, let's do Electio. We've talked, we've talked a good bit about this um, reading, but do you want to pick a line from either the Magnificat or the gospel that we will, um, or a little portion, a little snippet that we'll focus on for the Lectio? And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Uh, what stuck out to me was the just the like that like your like your womb like to me all of a sudden it gets like biological yeah <laughs> like it's not just this idea happening it's like this will change your body and so, this will you know, change everything. I was thinking the same thing of, of how physical it was with your womb, and then you will bear that son. Like, those are two different mm -hmm. things. I mean, you're going to carry, it's going to happen in your body, and then you're going to have to get that baby out. Mm -hmm. That is so concrete. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Again, you know, here's a thing that you and I have both had kids. At some point, you realize in your pregnancy, oh, my God, this baby's going to have to come out of me. Like, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. And you're just like, <laughs> <laughs> what? And this one tells the reality. You, it's, it's very physical and very particular. Mm -hmm. As you said, it's your womb. It's not just it's just going to happen somewhere. It's it's your womb, and then you're going to bear it. You know what else is 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 important here? You will name him Jesus. Wasn't usually the women who named the kids, mm -hmm. and this is giving her that power or trusting her with it. Now, Joseph in mm -hmm. Matthew's version, Joseph also gets told what the baby will be named, but. This one trusts Mary. And again, it's a it's a reversal. <laughs> you know, she wouldn't, when we say that, we mean like the opposite of what you would expect. But the real physicality of this. So what is that? What does that make us think of in terms of how this is relevant today? Like I think there's really something to this, Becky, although also you and I both had children. So of course we understand the physicality of this <laughs> what does this call us to think about about the real specificity and physicality of this to mary and what that means for us today well i know what it makes me think of is that i may not be called to bear a child for god but i am called with my own body with my life 
not mm-hmm. just my ideas and my thinking, but but the very physicality of my life, what I do with it, what I do with my time, where I put my body, what I do with it. I'm called to do that. And there are times where I have been willing to put my body in places that were, were potentially at risk. Um, or where I'm just exhausted. You know, we, we, this is the Sunday where, of the Christmas year where um, we'll have services in the morning and then services at night. And I don't mean to equate that to what Mary undertook, but there are times where what God calls us to is physically exhausting or really difficult, not just thinking, but we are called with our bodies. What is, what does it make you think about Becky? Um, you know, I, when you were talking, it made me think of that saying, like, a life is lived. Your days are your life. Oh. Like, the days that you live now, every single day, make up your life. Like, your life is not a thing that happens in these great moments. Like, Mary's life is something that happened during that pregnancy and then chasing little toddler baby Jesus around. Right. And feeding him and nursing him and everything else, right? Like right. every single day she was called into that work, just as many uh, others are called into the work of caretaking or, and so it just begs the right. question, like, what are you doing with your days? Yeah. Cause when, in some ways we'd like to think that the days are just days and that our life happens in some other <laughs> some other way but what we spend our time on is how we're building our lives yeah and the and the idea of her giving up her body it's not just the childbirth but you're right she had to change diapers and chase him around and there's that fabulous story where um and it's in luke's gospel where they leave him in Jerusalem. They're traveling with a people, and then they have to go back and they look for him and they find him in the temple, you know, and he's sassy with them back. Um, all the things that make up what this call was to her, things she could not even imagine. And it's what never- the shepherds say. I mean, when they come, like, and a sword shall pierce your heart also. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that's Simeon. I yeah, it's Simeon. Simeon says yeah. that. Yeah. Oh. So. But she does it. She, she does, does it. She does. And I love how in John's gospel, when they're at the wedding and Mary says <laughs> to Jesus, um, it's the wedding in Cana, they've run out of wine and Jesus is all snap, sassy to her again and says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My time has not come. And then she goes over to the wine steward and she says, do whatever he tells you. And that's when he (laughs) turns the water into wine. Um, She has so fully evolved to that moment being the Savior's mom. Because by that moment, (laughs) she knows he can do something about this. Yeah. And and she is just not going to take that he's not going to do it because she's like, these people will be humiliated if you don't do something. 
she has just like so grown into it. I love mm-hmm. that moment so much. It gives us such a glimpse, but it also lets us imagine Jesus trying out magic tricks um, as he grows up. <laughs> she knew by the time we get to John's gospel, she knows he can do miracles because she says they've run out of wine. Um, and then she says to the store, do whatever he tells you. She doesn't tell him, go home and get all of our wine. That's not what she does. And so I love the idea of imagining her with her days. She's also running around after him, trying to make sure he doesn't turn the birds into, you know, cows or something. Like, <laughs> this is a rough job. And, mm-hmm. and she says yes to it. And with her own body, that's really... Okay, so one of the last um, sort of features of a, or the steps in Electio Divina is to ask yourself what you're called to do. But we do it on the podcast by instead imagining who you want to bless from these stories, but it could be how the, somebody that these stories make you think of. So you could think of, you know, women who want to have children or, people who say yes to God or, you know, whatever. Um, but some, mm-hmm. somebody that you want to bless that these stories call to you to bless. You know, I want to bless everyone who's teetering on the knife's edge of a call. Oh. <laughs> they haven't done it yet. They're just in this space. Like for Mary, it was the time, it was the the length of this conversation, right. right? But for some people, it's years. Right. And so for, to bless all those with just a little bit mm. more faith that they'll jump into what's next, right. knowing it's going to be hard. Right. And not every but call like is a call taking to her example and running with it. Right. And not not every call oh, yeah. is a call to have a baby or or nation. It's anything when you feel you feel it, you know it, but you don't have the confirmation. Oh, I get you about the knife edge. You know, she goes and sees Elizabeth and she gets some confirmation. And then also the baby grows in her, so she gets confirmation, right? But but it's a hard, oh, it's a hard decision to keep faithful, to keep moving, to keep saying yes. Ooh, good prayer, good blessing. Um, I guess I want to say a blessing for everyone who's pregnant. Um, it's scary. Mm. And especially if you haven't mm-hmm. been pregnant before. Um, you, you know, at least today, there's this sort of whole culture of it's so wonderful to be pregnant. And, you know, you're supposed to have all these parties and, you know, you have your gender reveals and all this. And for me, it was never that easy. And, um, and you don't know, depending on your friends and your family, you might not have people that you can really talk to about what's happening or what might happen. And today, especially if you're an African-American woman, your risks of dying in childbirth are terrible in America. You know, it's 
in some ways we're like we are like a third world country and and it's scary and it and you do reach a place in your pregnancy where you realize this baby's got to come out of me and it's it's scary and then there's the whole thing of how will I know how to be a mom how can I do this will I have the support I need how can I keep working it's hard it's not all magical and Becky's also nodding her head. We hear you. And um, we've been there too. We are your sisters in this. And um, and our blessing is for you too. Mm-hmm. So. Woo. Okay. So uh, <laughs> Christmas is coming and uh, we will... Tim and I maybe talk about Christmas next week. You guys know a lot about Christmas already, but um, (laughs) uh, let me say Christmas is not just about bringing Jesus into the world so God could kill him, which there's a whole swath of Christianity that really thinks that's that's what it's about. And there's so much more to say, but but we're going to let Advent 4 and Christmas be separate. And so we'll see. So Becky, thank you. Thank you for being with us. It's so fun uh, to be with you. And I do think it's fun to have two moms be able to talk about what this must've been like for Mary and Elizabeth. Right. So, and thank you. Yeah. Beautiful painting, which you put in the show notes. So uh, have a Merry Christmas to you, Becky, and yeah. people you love. Yeah, and Merry Christmas, Lindy. Yeah. I'll see you. Uh, see you around. I hope, I hope so. See you around Bless Zoom. Bless <laughs> you to our listeners, and we hope you have a Merry Christmas, too, and um, we'll see you soon. Rate us on uh, Apple to Apple Podcasts because more people can find us. So see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.